As Christ prepared for his departure from his disciples, he offered unto them the promise of a comforter, one who would support, teach, and bear witness. As you and I continue to strive toward Christ with the Spirit as our guide, we will find ourselves developing a profound relationship with our Father in heaven, leading to more than we could ever imagine. I invite you to join us in our study today and encourage each of us to request divine understanding that the Spirit may teach us individually and specifically. Welcome to Come Follow Up. I've learned to identify the Holy Ghost, I think, by taking the time each day to be still and to search out the Lord's voice and hand in my life and strive to recognize when He is speaking to me. I could listen to the Holy Ghost. It would tell me, like, especially if the discussion of the missionary is true. And when I um, know that um, this, this is a church I need to join, so I joined the church. And after that, then, I have the Holy Ghost with me almost every day and just listen to the Holy Ghost all the time. When I'm feeling the Spirit, I feel a sense of peace. Uh, I feel a sense of calm and confidence. When I know I'm doing the things that are leading me in a direction that's wise, I feel the Spirit bringing calm and peace and confident feelings. It's easy for me to perhaps ignore or question if what those impressions I'm having are from the Lord. But I made a choice a long time ago that if any of those impressions led me to do good, I would act upon them. Welcome everybody. My name is Ben Lomu and I'm your host. Our gospel scholar today is Carrie Muelstein. Carrie received two degrees from BYU in psychology and ancient Near Eastern studies with a minor in Hebrew. He received his PhD from UCLA in Egyptology and Hebrew language and literature, and is currently a professor of ancient scripture at BYU. He and his wife have six children, and together they have lived in Jerusalem at various times while Carrie taught at BYU Jerusalem Center. Carrie, thanks for being here. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, Ben. I'm excited. And next to Carrie are our special guests, Greg and Jennifer Salen. Jennifer and Greg were married in the Los Angeles Temple in 1992 after both serving missions, Jen in England and Greg in Argentina. Together, they presided over the Texas-Houston South Mission from 2009 to 2012. They have lived in New York, Nashville, Orange County, and Houston, and now make their home in North Salt Lake, Utah. They are the parents of seven children and have three grandchildren. Greg and Jennifer, we're so happy to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And we're also joined by our live studio audience. Thank you all for being here. And to the viewers at home, thanks for joining us. Throughout this discussion, we'll invite you to share your experiences with us on any of our social media platforms. For downloadable resources for study and teaching, visit byutv.org slash comefollowup. Today, we've selected two topics to discuss that relate to the passages found in John chapters 14 through 17. These topics and discussions support and build upon the Come Follow Me resources. The two topics we are going to discuss are, first, the Holy Ghost helps me fulfill my purpose as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And second, abiding in Christ brings me closer to Heavenly Father. We'll expound on these topics and then take a deeper dive later on in the footnotes segment of the show. Okay, Carrie, what sort of background or context can you give from these chapters about this first topic? The Holy Ghost helps me fulfill my purpose 
as a disciple of Jesus Christ. We're at a really crucial time of the Savior's ministry right now. He's, he's wrapping up. He's done with his public teaching, and he's just uh, celebrated what we call the Last Supper with the, his disciples. It's the Passover. He's, he's uh, observing the Passover with them. And then we get, and we get all of that in the, the synoptic accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But in John, we get more. We get this, these incredible chapters, some of the most incredible chapters in Scripture, chapters 14 through 17, which seems to be the Savior's last opportunity to teach his disciples. And he really seems to be preparing them for the fact that he's going to leave them. They don't understand this is their last night with them. But he knows, and he's trying to prepare them for what comes next. And so we get some of the most profound teachings he ever delivers given to us by John here at the Last Supper. And, and why is John so unique from the other gospels in regards to just the intimacy and the detail about this specific event? It's, it's a great question. John writes his gospel differently than the others. The others kind of rely on each other and tell very similar things, but John, John seems to be often sharing that insider's view and focusing on those things that, that seem to have meant a lot to him. And so he gives us kind of that, that deeper, meatier stuff. Okay. Greg, Jennifer, any thoughts as you study these chapters on what we're going to be talking about today? I love the, the background that you've given here in setting the scene of, of what's happening. In the beginning of chapter 14, um, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then later on, he acknowledges that the disciples aren't going to be understanding what's happening and what he's saying. And I love the fact that his answer to that fear of their disciples was that he's going to be providing the comforter, the Holy Ghost, to provide guidance and direction. And to me, this provides some hope when I don't understand. That's okay because the Savior has provided this for us so that we can find our way through. Jennifer? I appreciate that John gives us this glimpse into what his relationship was like with the apostles. And it's almost as if you're just sitting in that room with them as you read these verses and you come to understand that kind of relationship, love, appreciation, admiration that they have for one another. And it's something that I strive to also have towards the Savior and have that relationship and friendship with Him as the apostles did. Do you mind walking us through some of these verses and kind of uh, so we can see how this conversation uh, is going for them? Yeah, it, it, that'd be great. This, uh, these are so beautiful and so profound. So the Savior starts out by talking about that he's leaving. Let's look at chapter 14, verse 3. Uh, if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Right? So he's telling them, I'm leaving. I'm going to go and so, make it so you can come and join me. Right, and again, they're not getting this. So he says, uh, whether I go, ye know, and the way ye know. And they say, no, we don't. <laughs> or, huh? Yeah. Right, really what they say is, huh? I love Thomas, he's always the one who's ready to say what other people may be thinking, but <laughs> he's gonna right. say it, right? Uh, and, and that gives us the chance for this really profound teaching. He says, uh, how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There, there are a couple of key elements there. First of all, the focus on Christ. I am the way. But notice it's also the way. He's not the destination. The destination is the Father, right? So 
Christ was sent to get the apostles to go send the apostles to get other people so they can bring them to Christ so Christ can bring them to the Father. So he is the way to the Father, but that's what he's trying to tell them is that's where he's bringing them is to the Father. And then we're, we're going to, in the later chapters, this emphasis on I'm one with the Father, I want you to be one with me so we can all be one together. So Christ always turns the attention to the Father. He says, I'm doing the Father's will, I'm bringing you to the Father, don't give glory to me, give it to the Father. And, and we see him really emphasizing that here at the end, that he is the way to the Father. And now he's about to introduce the Holy Ghost is also part, has a role in this. So brother and sister Salem, as, as we're talking about this, I can't help but think about um, your time that you served as mission leaders in, in Texas. Can you talk to us a little bit about what were some of the effects of when they really caught the, the, the vision of understanding what it means to rely on the Holy Ghost? Well, I have to admit that when we were called to be um, mission leaders, I remember feeling very nervous and, and unsure about this call. And we were in the MTC and um, a certain general authority found me. And I know that the Holy Ghost prompted him to do this. And he came up to me and he said, now don't you worry because your example of one that will do anything for the Lord will be priceless for these missionaries. And then he continued and he said, some of these missionaries may have never seen what a good marriage is like or what it's like to raise a family unto the Lord. And I had the most beautiful feeling come over me that with the Lord, we can do all things. And so even if he's not amongst us physically, like these disciples were experiencing, that my hope from the missionaries' perspective is that as they watched me just try to fulfill a calling and to, to do what I needed to do, even in my uncertainty, that nothing is impossible with him. And that really all comes down to using the Holy Ghost in our lives and depending and trusting that He is there and that the Lord is sending Him. When missionaries would first arrive, they wanted to be obedient and be good because that was the culture, that was kind of the cool thing, that was the program. And then at some point there would be a transition to where they would want to be obedient and be good because they wanted the blessings that were promised because they're constantly being told, if you, if you do this, you're gonna receive these blessings. But in their, pattern, in, in their path of discipleship, there was a point when they were obedient and good because they loved the Lord. And I think in these, in these verses, in chapters 14 through 17, we see the Savior repeatedly saying, if you love me, keep my commandments. And if we love the Father, we're gonna keep the commandments. And I think that that's key to this uh, process of becoming, this path of our becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. And as we do those things, then we have the gift of the Holy Ghost, just as the Savior sets forth in, in these verses. And the Holy Ghost will help us as we love him, as we keep his commandments, will help us to look to him and obtain the blessings that he has for us. Well, I thank you both for sharing that. I just, I love getting that perspective as, you know, as we all try to learn for ourselves how the Holy Ghost works with us. It's another thing to try to help others. And I would love to hear from the audience on how have you been taught to rely on the Holy Ghost? Todd. 
I know when I was on my mission, uh, it was it was a challenge for me. I had never been away from home, uh, at least not to the extent that I was on my mission. I was an only child, and so I was used to having parents and others around me that that I knew very well. And then I was in a place where I was completely alone. Uh, and as I focused on my prayers in the beginning of my mission, dealing with uh, feelings of homesickness and culture shock and uh, just a, a complete feeling of being alone to a certain extent, I started to listen much harder. And that was when I started to feel a sensation of peace and of comfort that came to me most frequently when I was studying my scriptures or when I was engaged in teaching others. And for me, that was the indication of, of here's what is gonna come with you. Here's what I'm gonna teach you. Here's how I'm going to teach you as you go through this process. And Todd, how have those things that you learned at such a young age carried with you into adulthood? For me, they've become a pattern. Uh, when I am in difficult places or difficult times, I focus my prayers upon the things that I'm dealing with. And they become very much not, a, not so much about uh, general things or average things, but about the specific things that I'm dealing with. And my study of the scriptures starts to be about the specific things that I'm dealing with. How do I deal with challenges with my work or my children mm -hmm. or my relationship with my spouse? And then I start to find answers. And when I find the answers, the ones that bring peace, I can say to myself, oh, this is the Holy Ghost telling me, be patient or take this action or just recognize you're in a good place. You know, something that Todd mentioned is that when he was struggling, when things were getting difficult, where we really learned this reliance on the Holy Ghost, we had a question coming from one of our viewers. I would love to get your thoughts on it. Hi, my name is Drew and I'm from Siena Plantation, Texas. The question I wanted to ask is, how can the Holy Ghost provide comfort when I'm struggling to improve? Okay, I'm gonna let the experts kind of uh, tell us what you think. Well, I, I love the question, but it reminds me of something um, Elder Holland said in conference in April, 2014. He said, sadly enough, my young friends, it is characteristic of our age that if people want any gods at all, they want them to be gods who do not demand much, comfortable gods, smooth gods, who not only don't rock the boat, but don't even row it. Gods who pat us on the head, make us giggle, and tell us to run along and pick marigolds. Talk about man creating gods in his own image. And he goes on to say, really, you're going to say Christ was a comfortable God? And I think this comforter that Christ is sending us has this important mission of being there for us to be our guides, to answer our questions, to provide us directions. And sometimes that's not comfortable for yeah. us that will stretch us and help us to become. Okay, something you guys uh, may not know, uh, Greg is a convert to the church. Uh, he was baptized when he was 18 years old. I, I would love to hear a little bit about uh, how the Holy Ghost uh, prompted you to get uncomfortable. How did you use that to, to give you the, the confidence to keep moving forward? Thanks for the question. I was 17 years old. I was just going into my senior year of high school and had a group of friends. I was in California, so the number of members of the church in my high school was small. But I was friends with several of them, and they had made some introductions and overtures to me uh, about the gospel. It provided me with a Book of Mormon. 
I was not initially interested or, or much of a believer, but there was a moment where I had been provided the Book of Mormon, I had, some things had been marked in it, I had been invited to pray, and I had done so, and I was standing just by my car, and something happened. There was a moment when the, the, the Spirit just undeniably, and in a way I, can, I could count you know, on one hand the number of times in my life where I've felt such a strong and powerful sense of the Spirit, saying, this really is, the church of Jesus Christ, enter in here. You need to pursue this path. And of course that changed everything for me because knowing that's the way that God wanted me to go, what else could I do? I, I had to pursue that path. So notwithstanding my friends um, not being supportive of that, my family being upset about the decision, I still went forward on that path because the Holy Ghost had directed me. It made all the difference. Greg, thank you so much for being willing to share with us your conversion story. This has been a great uh, conversation so far. Thank you so much for your comments and for the audience. Thanks for participating in our first topic about how the Holy Ghost can help us with our discipleship of Jesus Christ. And for you at home, how do you actively seek the guidance of the Spirit in your life each day? Share with us on Facebook at Come Follow Me TV. To abide to me means that you stay with someone and you walk with them and, and you don't leave them and you, you're a constant companion to them. To me, abide means to stay, to rest. Um, when I think of abide with me, the song, I think very much about resting and about waiting. And to abide in Christ for me means that I stay within His love. And that means keeping his commandments. That means following his instructions. It means living a, a life like a disciple of Christ. When I am focusing on my covenants to keep his commandments, to always remember him, and that I'm willing to take upon myself his name. And when I'm trying to live my life consistent with those covenants, I, I feel like I'm more successful in abiding in him and having access to the blessings he has for me. Our second topic is abiding in Christ brings me closer to Heavenly Father. And we're going to ask Carrie to give us a little bit of, of some more context, background into specifically about what the Savior is teaching about abiding in Christ. Yeah, so this is after he's finished introducing the idea of the Comforter of the Holy Ghost and, and uh, how it will do what the Savior's been doing and keep them connected to the Savior once he's left. And then he uses a, a metaphor that will really speak to his audience, right? He, he's got people there uh, who have grown up with vineyards all over the place. And everyone that lives in the area understands about vineyards and viticulture and so on. He tells them, starting in chapter 15, verse one, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. So if you're not really connected and bringing fruit, he's gonna take you away. But, but now look at verse four, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. So we know that if you just break a branch off of, uh, of a vine, it's gonna die. It can't do anything in itself. It has to be integrally intertwined and part of that vine. If it's not like of the same nature and connected, it can't bring forth fruit 
And, and really what he's telling them is you have to be connected to me. Now, this is on the heels of learning about the comforter, which does the connecting, but he's telling them you have to abide in or be connected or part of me and me part of you if you're going to really bear fruit and not be purged. What are some of your thoughts as we talk about abiding? What do you think it means to abide in Christ and how does that strengthen our relationship with the Father? I love all of the allegories about vines and vineyards. Um, To me, it teaches two principles, which you had touched on too, Carrie. And first is the importance of being grounded in Christ. And second, to recognize that He is the gardener and He is pruning us and helping us to become like Him. And so when He says in chapter 15, verse 5, that I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And nothing means we need him for eternal life. The Savior, he is the vine because he gives us eternal life. What connections do you see between abiding and covenants? When we think about abiding, we think about keeping the the commandments, doing the things we're supposed to do. Importantly, along with that is our relationship with the Savior and abiding with Him in a way that we are developing that relationship and being disciples and trying to become like Him. The Bible is wonderful for all of this wealth of information it has, but it's um, it's become clear to me in studying the Scriptures that you can't get the fullness of the Gospel without what comes in the Book of Mormon and the discussions of the doctrine of Christ. And this whole discussion reminds me of Nephi's teachings in 2 Nephi 31 and 32. And in there, he's, it's remarkable, actually, with the, the line of discussion we're having in verse 12. He says, And also the voice of the Son came unto me, saying, He that is baptized in my name, to him will the Father give the Holy Ghost, like unto me. The idea that we have access to the Holy Ghost like Christ does from the Father is remarkable. Great comments. Okay, I'm gonna ask the audience a question. What do you do daily to abide in Christ? Chris. To daily abide in Christ, um, bringing the gospel back into my life, the last um, few years of my life, I pray daily and just my nightly prayer and also in the morning prayer puts me in the right state of mind to keep Christ with me. And how do you feel like this has strengthened your relationship with Heavenly Father? Prayer has helped me by opening my heart and my mind to listen to promptings and have the right state of mind and open heart to what's important every day. Great comments. Uh, Carrie, I'm curious. You've shared so much uh, with us about uh, the scriptures and and your background. And how do you balance all of that, you know, as you try to manage being a husband, being a father with your profession? What are some of the things that you do on a regular basis to, to continue to abide in Christ? One of the great keys to me is to just keep asking the Lord, what's next? What do you want me to do next? Whatever is that feeling, okay, this feels good. This would be a good thing. Uh, you have to follow it, but always turn to God just really, I, I think it starts in that deep desire. I want to do whatever God wants me to do. Can we transition now and talk a little bit about how abiding in Christ is very similar to the unity that Christ and the Father have? 
To me, this is one of the most beautiful things in all of Scripture. In, in the Gospel of John, Christ consistently, in almost every chapter, at some point he talks about the unity he has with the Father and how he just does the Father's will. He's an expression of the Father's will and so on. And after spending so much time teaching about this beautiful relationship that he and the Father have, he says, join me. So as you were speaking, Carrie, I was reflecting on the importance of trust in any relationship, in a marriage relationship, in a friendship, and especially in a relationship with God the Father. If we can have that trust that he is speaking to us, right? Because so many times we may feel impressions and things throughout our day that we deflect or we question. And if trust is in that relationship, then we can acknowledge that those feelings and thoughts are from the Lord. I like this question because it looks at other relationships to consider how that's similar to how we are with the Savior. But I think there's a key difference. In our earthly relationships, we can make a mistake with trust, a serious mistake, and that can permanently damage that relationship. What I like about our relationship with the Savior and with the Father is that it is very difficult, if not impossible for most of us, to make a mistake that would so damage the relationship per permanently. I think when you asked the question, I was thinking about our sacrament covenant to always remember him, which is you know part of abiding in him. And it's interesting, it's not sometimes remember him or just, <laughs> hey, remember me. It's always remember him, which is a covenant that I have found impossible for me. I, I, I never, when I'm going about my day-to-day -day activities, when I'm um, doing things that have nothing to do with the gospel, it's hard for me to think that I am adequately remembering him. But I think that as we are imperfect, but trying, he so eagerly rewards us with these blessings that we're talking about. Um, Sister Marriott, she has a great quote talking about this process of abiding and what builds that unity and what also separates it. She says, we are here on this earth to learn and grow. And the most important learning and growing will come from our covenant connection to Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. From our faithful relationship with them come godly knowledge, love, power, and capacity to serve. Our sins and pride create a breach or a gap between us and the font of all love, our Heavenly Father. Only the Savior's atonement can cleanse us of our sins and close that gap or breach. And you just spoke to that, how we are going to make mistakes. We are going to, by our own choices, create that gap. Yet through the atonement, there's always that invitation uh, to come back and the invitation to, to continually abide uh, with him. What are some of the things that you are doing in your home or have done in your home to strengthen that relationship uh, with Christ within your family, within your kids? And what are some of the effects that you've seen as your kids have now you know, grown up and began families of their own? We try. And I think that that's what is most important is that we try. And we're not perfect, but we have a focus um, on Christ in our home. And Come Follow Me has been marvelous mm. to our family. I think one of the most valuable things are the one-on-one -on -one discussions with our kids, particularly when they're 
they're in a, a part of their lives where something has come up, there's some difficulty, and we can apply gospel principles in these teachings without seeming like we're being preachy. We're giving them real life examples and um, encouragement. It seems that it's in those moments when things really hit. And I think all of us as parents, we're, we're never going to be able to go through life without our kids having challenges. And there's going to be ups and downs. And there can be some really serious problems and crises that come up, some that are even heartbreaking to us. But as we try to teach them the gospel, as we try to live it and then be there for them and talk them through things, I think that's the best way we can do to help them to be disciples and find the path themselves. You know, and I love how as the Savior, what he's trying to teach us and what we've been talking about with both these topics is that as we learn how to feel and recognize the Holy Ghost that has been sent to us, then we will be greater connected to Christ. And as we draw closer to Christ and our desires to follow him, then we draw closer to the Father. How do we manage that concept of drawing closer to Christ, yet trying to strengthen the relationship with our Heavenly Father? It's a great question because we certainly want to have a relationship with Christ, and he's the one we can most easily see because mm -hmm. he's written about here. And yet, as we said earlier, so much of what he says is, when you're seeing me, you're just seeing the Father. I only do the Father's will. And I think we have to keep that in mind. If we remember that one of Christ's major purposes, and Elder Holland gave a great talk on this, but one of his major purposes is to reveal the Father to us, both by through the atoning sacrifice, which makes it so we can be with the Father eventually, but also by just the way he acts and what he says and does. Uh, then we can say, okay, yes, I'm learning about Christ, but I'm also learning about the Father, and I remember that Christ wants to bring me to the Father. So we just have to kind of keep that in our mind the whole time because the focus really needs to be the Father. We mm -hmm. pray to the Father, we're coming to the Father. That's our primary relationship, primary focus of our worship and so on. And the Savior makes it clear, he doesn't want to be the distraction right. from the Father. He wants to be the focus to the Father. Thank you all for sharing with us today with your experiences and from the scriptures. It's been a great discussion so far. And for the audience, it's been so wonderful having you here with us. Thanks for adding so much to the spirit of the show today. And for those at home, we still have much to cover from the Gospel of John. Stick with us for footnotes where we'll examine these scriptures and topics further with Carrie, Greg, and Jennifer. In the discussion, I liked how they mentioned how the Spirit is one of its roles as being a comforter in our lives. I've always loved the word comfort, and so I love how the Spirit can do that in our lives and make us feel like we're at home. What really stood out to me today in, in the discussion is that it's our job to abide with Christ and to walk with Him because He's always there waiting for us, but we need to invite Him on a daily basis to be with us so that we have His strength and His peace. I enjoy in the discussion today by listening to the testimony and feel like, oh, we are just the same. We are just one of Heavenly Father's children, want to get back to Him through abiding with Jesus Christ and for the Holy Ghost. And I'm just excited, just want to shout for joy. Yes, we're together. What was remarkable was that as we talked, the Spirit was there to guide and direct what we were talking about in a way that um, was really meaningful to me. One of the things I, I learned as listening to Carrie today, who had so much knowledge to share um, about the intersection of covenants, 
with the love of Christ and keeping his commandments and the things that we're learning about in John 14 through 17. It was very meaningful. Welcome to Come Follow Up Footnotes. We've dismissed our studio audience and are looking forward to building upon our previous discussions about John 14 through 17 with Carrie, Greg, and Jennifer. All right, we have a lot of things to cover. We had some great, great discussions yeah. earlier, and now we're really going to get into some things. There's some interesting uh, scholarly information that uh, Carrie's going to teach us. You want to just take over and uh, give us some insights, Carrie? We touched on the idea of the Holy Ghost as a comforter earlier, but there's a little bit more we can we can dive in there. So let's let's go to chapter 14 and start in verse 16. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. Now, let's, let's explore that word, and we have to do this on two levels. So the Greek here, what we have is a Greek text that this is an English translation of, right? And comforter is as good a translation as we're going to get, but often people really get into, well, what's the meaning of the Greek word when the Savior's speaking? But we have to remember the Savior wasn't speaking Greek. He's speaking Aramaic. But interestingly, in this case, the Aramaic word is almost the same. It also means to, to advocate or to help and it's so interesting because usually when we think of the advocate, we think of the son, right, who is our advocate with the father. Mm -hmm. But in this case, he is calling the Holy Ghost this advocate, this, this comforter, this helper. Then if we jump down to verse 18, and he says, I will not leave you comfortless. Well, well what, uh, probably a better translation there would be, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will not leave you abandoned and okay. with no one to take care of you. Um, and, and this really does speak to the idea that he has been the one who's been with them, and he's leaving them, but he's not going to leave them alone. They're going to have another parent, as it were, mm -hmm. or another advocate. And at times, Christ is the advocate that's there in person, but for us and everyone who's not in that particular point of time, really, it's the Holy Ghost. And so the Savior's preparing them for that transition, and he's saying, I'm leaving you but you're still going to have an advocate. For one thing, uh, this is your profession. You are an advocate. You you go to bat for people. But also, I was thinking, as 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 a parent of a missionary right now, I'm depending on a, a wonderful, beautiful couple to step in and play that role for two years while he's gone. Would you guys mind talking a little bit to us about uh, both from the professional standpoint and as mission leaders, what is it like to play that role of the advocate? And what did that do to strengthen and, and help you understand uh, the Savior's role and the role of the Holy Ghost? Well, as, as a parent first, before a mission leader, I experienced a brand new form of love. And it helped me to understand our Heavenly Father's love for us. And in the mission, it was like we had suddenly 506 children and even added number seven in the mission. And that love just continued to grow for them. And I felt th this motherly uh, responsibility, really, to lead them to Christ. And while I was busy with my children, I did have many opportunities to teach and to testify um, to them. And there is much to be said just about sharing your testimony often and bearing testimony like the Savior did of who He was. You know, as a, as a mission leader, you find yourself sitting 
in these interviews with missionaries where you're you're one-on-one -on -one with a missionary, it's not like you go and get a degree in being a mission president. <laughs> they give you a handbook and some great a great week of training, and then here you are. There's so many sacred experiences that I had sitting there where I would have no idea of myself how to answer this question or what counsel to give or what to say. But then the Holy Ghost comes in and just provides that in ways that I would never even have the ability of knowing what I'm about to give. And I think that the comparison, I like the comparison because it really is working through God. It's the connection between the Godhead to provide that direction. And being a, a lawyer, you take someone who doesn't have any mm -hmm. understanding of what to do or what to say or procedure or how to handle this, and you work them through that for to, to put them in the best position you can. And you, you think of how it is with the eternities and what we know and what we don't know. And I, I would assume our, our little understanding that we have, but we trust mm -hmm. in Christ and in the Holy Ghost and the Father and the Godhead to be able to work us through this so that we can become like them. And I would imagine, you know, from the, the parent standpoint, there was so much trust, you know, sending their missionaries. And I imagine, you know, from the legal standpoint as well, you have people that in some cases, I'm guessing they're, they're putting your life in your hands, trusting, you know, trusting you and trusting your knowledge and, and your work. It's just amazing how with all of this, it really comes back to, uh, our Heavenly Father's whole purpose, His whole work, His whole glory is to bring to pass the immortality, eternal life of man. And all these are different avenues trying to get us there, making these connections, keeping us attached to Him so that we can make it back. And actually this morning, as I read through these chapters, in, in chapter 14, John allows you to be a fly on the wall mm -hmm. during the most important meeting the Savior has with His apostles in His entire ministry. Mm -hmm where he gives the most profound teachings probably of his entire ministry. And of course, we'll look and we'll see that these chapters are about relationship after relationship after relationship. And the key element in that relationship is love. Right? That's, that's our primary obligation under the covenant. 14 through 17, we see that theme carried throughout and it's, it's, it is a theme about love and unity, but within the covenant, right? The covenant establishes loving, unified relationships. So I, don't know, we, we, I can go through and look at all sorts of more verses. Well, let's look at one more. Chapter 14, verse 15. So just a little bit later, if ye love me, keep my commandments. So that's the next, remember that, that that's the primary obligation of the law, keep the commandments. First commandment is love God. So if we get that part down, the rest flows naturally. And you're not doing it, as you spoke about earlier, you're not doing it because this is something you have to do. You're doing it because you want to. I think this is a key, a key principle. When you're doing things, keeping the commandments because you want some blessings or you want to be seen of men or whatever is your motivation, if, if things go wrong in your life, if they don't go as you expect, then that changes things for you. Whereas if you are doing what you're doing because you love God and then you're going to keep his commandments because you love him, then if other things in life are falling apart or the promised blessing doesn't quite come through the way you thought, you're, there's no crisis because that's not your motivation. Your motivation is because you love God and you trust him.
And another little angle I think that is important to point out here is when the Savior is teaching the importance of love, to love God first and then to love one another. And if we flip those, that's where we run into problems. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're seeing in our day and age today is that we're putting the love for one another ahead of God and His commands. But there is an order here and God is a God of order. And if we can trust that His commandments are there to bless us and protect us, then it falls, falls into line better to love one another, remembering the importance of following Him. I find so much of this has to do with our identity mm -hmm. and this constant um, effort to try to get us to understand who we are and whose we are. And, and once you figure that out, then that that love, because like you said, a relationship like this is empty without this relationship first. And when you understand that you, we are sons and daughters of God and, and that we are trying to get to a better place, then naturally that increases the love that we'll have for each other. And you can see in society today, so much is built on dividing that and, and help, yeah. having us create, you know, our own relationships, leaving the most important one out. And you can see it, it, in the Book of Mormon does the same thing. You know, you see what happens in, in 4th Nephi when they all is divided into ites. Yeah. And we contrast that with in the beginning with the Nephites where they had their own, and I love how they, they, they specify, they clarify this. Yes, they were Nephites and Jacobites and Joseph, but we're just going to call each other Nephites. Just, and I love that, just that sense of unity, even though it may not have been intentional, of really understanding that, look, when we are unified together, unified with God, that's how we really can, can show our love towards Him and we can really make that connection and establish that relationship. So important. And, and I think you're right that today... Satan is finding so much success in confusing us about our identities mm -hmm. and taking the wrong identities and making it our primary and most important identity. And then we have all sorts of problems and so much less unity and so much more friction. But we can all have one unifying identity if it's we, we are children of God who make covenants and love God, mm -hmm. right? That, if that identity is your most important identity, all this other stuff mm -hmm. can work out. But that's not where the world's pushing us. It's pushing us in exactly the opposite mm -hmm. way. President Nelson, I remember, had said that the heavens are open and the Heavenly Father is anxious to reveal to us who we are. And he invited us to ask if they understood who they truly were and, and the focus on patriarchal blessings and um, other opportunities for personal revelation then that Holy Ghost can direct them on the path of, uh, on the covenant path. When have you felt the happiest, the very happiest? And hasn't it probably been when you were full of love for someone? I just experienced exquisite joy last Saturday when we were in the temple with our fourth child that got married. Uh. That's good stuff. <laughs> that is worth the wrestle. It's worth all that we did to see that fruit um, come about. And there were other of our children there. And I am grateful that I had that experience because it counterbalances a lot of challenges and a lot of pain that we've also felt raising children. Because it, And it happens to all of us. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's challenging and difficult. But I appreciate what Greg said because... 
if we keep our focus on Christ, the fruits will come. Mm -hmm. And they may not come right when we expect them, and we can be patient and learn from that, but God's promises are sure that they will come. You know, the comparison between the joys that you're talking about, Carrie, from, from the scriptures that the Savior is promising us and those you've just talked about, compared to the ones the world has for us, and which is a constant battle for all of us. We, we have to live in this world. But when we compare those and we think about, at the end of the day, what really matters to us, um, it really comes down to the things we're talking about. It's the relationship with God and our relationship with our families and those that we love. Those are are the treasures that we can take with us. That's to me. That's so incredible. This idea that that our joy will come from these covenant relationships, where we love each other and we're full of love for God and for each other. And then that gets us to your question. So I'm finally coming back to your question, <laughs> where he says, "Greater love has no man that than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends." And it's clear he's talking about himself, but it's clear he's not just talking about mm-hmm. himself, right? So obviously. He is about to lay his life down for his friends, but he's also asking us to lay our life down for each other. And, and he goes on to say, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. So it makes it clear that, that his definition of friendship here has something to do with keeping covenant. But uh, as far as what it means for me in my life, greater love hath no man that, that he lay down his life for his friend. It, it seems to me it's that my life is about keeping my covenant, my covenant with God, so I'm laying my, my full life. And, and really, that's what we, being consecrated, covenant path, everything is saying, my life is yours, God. I'm going to do whatever it is you want me to do, however sorrowful, however painful, however many years you're working for that. But that's the covenant relationship that he's asking us to have with each other and with the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Do you feel like we've lost some of that in society, the idea of, putting ourselves, laying down our lives, not even physically, but just like you said. It's a me society. We, we, yeah. like, how do we combat that? How do we combat that, uh, that natural tendency to, to focus on ourselves and make it all about, and when society's screaming at it, it's all about you, mm-hmm. whereas we're trying to be taught, no, it's not. The real joy and happiness comes from what you can give and the love you can offer to others. Mm-hmm. You know how many times I've been told that I need to take care of myself mm-hmm. first, me first? Yeah. Just be you. And just, just be you. Be you. Yeah. Find yourself. Uh-huh. Live your truth. Figure out your own yeah. identity. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. And, and that's backwards, isn't it? Because you find yourself when you lose yourself yes. in the service of others. And so this scripture to me is all about being selfless. And if we can think of Christ before ourselves, if we can think of others before ourselves, then we, we are on that discipleship path of becoming because all Christ did was for others. We get a glimpse of of how the Savior really feels about not only the the apostles, but us in chapter 17 with this intercessory prayer. Carrie, do you mind kind of walking us through? Because it's a beautiful chapter. Yeah, and let's let's just talk about the idea of prayer in general because prayer is all throughout this this last sermon, right? He's talking about praying and commanding them to pray and 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 so on. And then he gives them a great example by giving one of the most beautiful mm-hmm. prayers ever recorded. Uh, it's it's incredible. We've got uh, a couple of key verses um, where we have the Savior saying that the the Holy Ghost only does what the Father would have him do or what he's seen him do. 
uh, which is the same thing he says about himself. So let's just look at chapter 16, verse 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, and not just from everyone, from the Father and the Son, right? Whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. That's the same thing he's been t saying about himself for the whole book of John. I only say what the Father says. I only do what the Father does. So again, it shows you the unity, not just of the Father and the Son, but of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And that's why when the Son leaves, and the Holy Ghost comes, we're fine. The right? work can continue, we're good. You're yeah, in good hands. We're still getting exactly what the Father would do. And that was the point the whole time, is to get what the Father would say and what the Father would do. So the Son gives it to us, the Holy Ghost gives it to us. And because the prophets listen to the Holy Ghost, the prophets give it to us, or the apostles, right? This isn't just to the apostles. It's for everyone who will make a covenant and believe what they say. I'm, I'm convinced of that. This is for covenant keepers who follow the, the apostles, right? So we've got this chain that, that tells us we are still with the Father. And so now we get into chapter 17 with that understanding, if that's, that's all right. He's, he's spoken all these words and he lifts up his eyes to heaven. So it's interesting. We, I have no problem with the fact that we pray with our eyes closed and our head bowed, right? But Christ is praying like this. Right? He's looking to God, just literally looking to God because he's got that kind of relationship with God, right? Father, the hour has come to glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. Again, you see the relationship. Thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Now listen to verse 3, and we've read it already, but it's so important if we keep in mind that covenant is about relationship. In fact, I'm just going to say that I believe that the entire plan of salvation, this is just my opinion, but the entire plan of salvation, the reason for creating it, the, the reason for everything we're going through, is because God wanted a closer relationship with us. Mm -hmm. And that we couldn't progress in that relationship until we'd progressed in becoming more like him. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That's the reason for the covenant. That's the reason for the plan of salvation, so that we can really know God and be known as we, know him as we are known, and that way we really can have that fullness of joy that comes from that fullness of love and unity of relationship. You know, it's interesting. When you read some of these verses, just reading them, it can just become, oh, these are just, this is scriptural text. But I don't know how, if, if you guys thought the same thing. As he was explaining it, I was listening to these words as a prayer. And it changes it. Yeah. It changes the meaning. It changes really, it, it adds so much power uh, to what these words really mean and to what Carrie was speaking of about how it's all about establishing that relationship and, and helping fulfill his purpose, you know, which is to bring us all home. Yeah, yeah, to bring us home in a state that is capable of more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he wants the reunion, but he wants it to be even better than before. Yeah. I, I'm so grateful for that. I mean, I just have to pause and say, I'm so grateful he was willing to do that. Yeah. We become like them. So in this process that, that you're talking about and this love that they have for us, um, we, as the scriptures say, we gain all that the Father hath. Yes. Meaning that we really become like our heavenly parents and then have that joy of experience that I can't even imagine what it's like, you know, the joy we have with our children watching their ups and their downs, but to have these souls without end and the joy that 
that comes from that is where he's trying to take us. You're absolutely right. And some of it, again, this is the reason for the plan of the covenant. Some of it can only come through shared experiences, right? I will also say that, that my son, who is the father of my grandson, we can relate to each other now. And I mean, we had a good relationship for a long time, but he now gets yeah. some of the things I went through because he's going through it. And, and I get what he's going through because I've been through, mm -hmm. right? You just, th there are some things you can't understand until you've had that, that shared experience. Right. Okay, Jennifer, we're going to give you the last word. Give us some advice for those that are watching that perhaps are struggling, you know, maybe with that relationship, with that connectivity. What would you say to somebody who, is really, really trying to develop a relationship with their Father in Heaven, how would you tell them to do that? Keep trying. Keep trying. Keep trying. I think that's my motto today. <laughs> the world tells us to give up when we don't see immediate success. Reading chapter 17 and reading a prayer from Jesus Christ. And one of the things I pray for in every prayer is that my children will feel an increase of the Spirit in their lives, that they may recognize truth and be able to also identify truth that's twisted. Um, and one of the promises from Elder Bednar to our youth is that if they will engage in temple work, which is all about covenants, that they will be protected from the intensifying influence of the adversary. And so in recent callings that I've had, that we've had together, we've been able to help youth find names and take them to the temple. And by doing so, we've witnessed incredible personal changes and experiences in them. In fact, I believe that one of our own children um, is active and, and strong today because of those temple covenants and because um, of being in the temple. So I just am grateful for the Savior and His example to draw us to Him through covenants, through love. That's what it takes with anyone that we serve or interact with, and to keep trying. Well, this has been an absolute treat. I just, I, I love your example and so grateful. It's been so wonderful to get to know you and just to let those that are watching just feel of your goodness. Thank you so much Thanks for, for, Thank you for seeing having me. It's been it's been wonderful. Thank you. Carrie, as always, it's so great to talk to you and just to to just see the work that you've put in just come out and how it increases our understanding and knowledge of the scriptures and how we can make those and strengthen those relationships with our Heavenly Father. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I feel edified to be, you, you all emanate a lot of light. It's been great. That's a great word. It's, this has been very edifying. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us at home for this discussion from John chapters 14 through 17. I encourage you to record and act upon any impressions that you've received. Come Follow Up is a TV show, a podcast, and has several available resources through our website and social media channels. Next week, we discussed and reflect upon Gethsemane and more as we study Luke 22 and John 18. Thanks for watching. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.